because I was unintentionally sending my husband a message that I did not need him. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to send that message, but quite frankly, deep down, I didn't feel like I did because mm-hmm. that avoider in me mm-hmm. didn't need anybody. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril here with my co host, Pastor Elliot Anderson. And Love and Life is your place to hear conversations grounded in psych research, psychotherapy, and biblical truth to help us thrive in love and life. So, Elliot, today's topic is a heavy one and one that I am sure you are all too familiar with in terms of the couples you work with. The most painful, and I think the thing that most couples fear if they aren't too pie in the sky on their wedding day, the biggest fear is that there will be infidelity at some mm-hmm. point in their marriage. And that intimate bond and the intimate sex act that is meant to be between them till death do they... P- <laughs> till they die. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So we're going to laugh about infidelity. Is that what we're doing yeah, here? We're trying. It's, it's oh, heavy. Yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah, sometimes a little comic relief is needed. But the point is, if we're honest, we all fear it. Mm-hmm. And yet we also know that with anything in life, those darkest moments can be the point at which the true intimacy actually occurs and redemption is possible and hope and healing are available. So to lead us through this conversation, we've invited a couple who's gone through this. I've known of Jill Savage for 25, 30 years because she was so well known in mother's ministry. She invited me onto her podcast where she wanted me to talk about some of my restorative work with couples. And this was with me not knowing that she'd been in that process and serving in that ministry herself now with her husband, Mark. So it was a wonderful time that when I was recording with her and talking through things and I said, man, could you please do the same with us now. And as you know, Karen, we both listened to their podcast sharing it. And it was, it was raw. It was, it was hard. It was yeah. uh, sad and difficult, rewarding and enjoyable at the same time. And as I told you, I said, welcome to my world. This is the kind of <laughs> clinical work I'm doing all the time. And it is difficult and it is sad, but man, the joy on the other side when couples can get through it, whether they're just dating and they're getting through it, whether they're engaged and getting through it, or they're married and getting through it, it is really powerfully inspirational and makes it worth it. And I think Jill and Mark share that capacity well. So before we get into the interview with Mark and Jill, let me give you a little bit more information about the Savages. Mark and Jill Savage are passionate about encouraging, educating, and equipping families. After serving in church ministry for 20 years, the Savages are now meeting the needs of families as authors and speakers. Known for their honesty, humor, and practical teaching, Mark and Jill bring hope and encouragement to every audience. Jill is the author of 12 books, including Real Moms, Real Jesus, and No More Perfect Moms. Together, Mark and Jill have authored two books, Living with Less So Your Family Has More, and No More Perfect Marriages. The parents of five young adult children and grandparents of eight, the Savages make their home in Normal, Illinois. Our interview with Mark and Jill Savage, right after this. So just this morning after our tennis lesson, my friend and I were talking about things you can add to coffee to derive even better and more comprehensive benefits from our morning caffeine. So of course, I told her about Magic Mind and all its benefits because while it enhances your caffeine in the morning, whether it's coffee or tea, 
you can get that boost of attention and concentration without having to drink what I used to do, drink way too many cups of coffee, and then I'm drinking it into the afternoon and I can't get to sleep at night and my belly starts hurting because of all the acid. But there's also all these other benefits, which I love. I've just been hearing a lot about lion's mane mushrooms and how that can help with anxiety. And as you guys know, on Love and Life, we are all about holistic, natural ways to support our mental health. And also lion's mane mushrooms reduce post-exercise inflammation. And we know that inflammation, I'm learning so much more about inflammation with these deep dives I've been doing into nutrition And inflammation is a natural process that our body uses to help us. But when it's out of whack, we can have too much inflammation and then that can lead to disease. So to reduce our post-exercise inflammation sounds like a really good idea as well. Thank you in advance for supporting Magic Mind. Your support of them helps support the program. And if you do check it out, be sure to use promo code LOVELIFE20, L-O-V-E, L-I-F-E-2-0. Use that promo code for 20% off at www.magicmind.co slash love life. Promo code love life 20. Mark and Jill, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's so good to be here. We are glad to join you. We want to thank you right off the bat for your vulnerability and your openness and your honesty and your authenticity. And that's something I think we all need a lot more of in the world in general. I just want to then highlight the title of your podcast, which is No More Perfect Podcast. (laughs) Elliot and I have listened to your story and I do want to refer listeners to hear the fullness of your story. We're going to kind of piggyback off what you shared in episodes three and six of your podcast. Again, No More Perfect Podcast. So if anyone wants a deep dive into that, which I recommend anyone do. So would you just give a brief overview of your journey? And then we can go into some of the reflections and the responses that Elliot and I had as we were listening. Sure. Yeah. Mark was in full-time ministry for 20 years. Yeah. And I led a nonprofit ministry to moms. It was an international nonprofit ministry to moms for 24 years. And needless to say, life was very busy. Five kids and mm-hmm. two, two large ministries. Right. Our lives were very fast paced. And Jill and I were, were really working to manage marriage by doing all the right things. We knew each other's love languages. We went on dates, we were having time for conversation, but we didn't realize there was something eating away at the heart of our relationship. And ministry became pretty exhausting. Really, I ran like a wild man from pastoring. I was exhausted, ticked off at Christians at the church, but more importantly, ticked off at God. I was ticked off at everybody. Everybody but yourself. I know. I was fine. I don't know what the problem was. <laughs> it's all these other fools out there. I know. Messing things right. Up. <laughs> That's right. They're killing me. Uh, but, but really, I was a mess. And when I retired from pastoring, I didn't realize how much my identity was in pastoring, in the title of pastor. And I really had lost my way. I ended up in an affair a midlife crisis affair included left Jill and the kids and was convinced that this new relationship was going to be the ticket. But 
the problem was I took somebody with me in that journey and that person was a mess and that person was me. Hmm. And it took about a year for that relationship to unravel and really for me to fully unravel to the point of just complete brokenness. Yeah. And so during that time, I was standing for our marriage. I was believing that if Mark would return to his God, he would return to his marriage. And I certainly never thought it would take a year. It was a long, dark year. But on Easter Sunday of 2012, he had what we now refer to as his own personal resurrection. He literally in one minute said, I'm filing for divorce this week. Then within just a a few minutes later, he was praying a prayer of surrender. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And I watched him change. Like I watched Mm. that surrender almost come over him physically. And I didn't trust it. Mm. I didn't know what had quite happened. I wasn't sure, but it was for real. And he had moments, he would recommit to our marriage, but then two weeks later, he would go back to the affair. I would panic and I was without hope. I just didn't believe Mm -hmm. that change between Jill and I was possible, that I was full of fear. Yeah. So I didn't trust this, but I knew something was different. Hmm. He'd always been what he called a hard disciple. He was always arguing with God. There was this God, you promised this. Where's Mm -hmm. this? You, Mm -hmm. I would try to hold him accountable to himself. (laughs) Yeah, that's not possible. But I appreciate your honesty. (laughs) That was true. And when I surrendered, I really believe it was the first time in my walk that I fully surrendered to Mm -hmm. who was really going to be the God of my life. Yeah. So as you can imagine, our relationship was in a very broken state at that point in time, massive amounts of broken trust. And not only was trust broken in our marriage, but trust was broken with our kids. Yeah. That had to be figured in. And it took us about 18 months of weekly marriage counseling to put the wheels back on the bus. And we kept it to ourselves. We had so lived publicly for so many years. And Mark was like, I just Mm -hmm. don't want, I just don't want to put this part of our story out there. And I had to honor that. And I had been honest on my blog about the fact that Mark had separated because my entire ministry is built on authenticity. So that was super Mm -hmm. important to me. But I had protected the part of the story about the infidelity because I wanted him to come home. And I felt like that was his story to tell. But about three years after restoration, Mark felt like the Lord was starting to tap him on the shoulder and say, hey, it's time to start sharing. And so we began to do that. And it ultimately led to uh, doing our book, No More Perfect Marriages, and then what we do now which is full-time marriage coaching. Talk about God taking your pain and turning it into purpose. Honestly, Jill and I are living the marriage that I had dreamt of, but Mm. I was in the way of. So part of the journey of imploding 
everything was the beauty of God almost looking at me and saying, okay, you ready to do this my way now? Okay. (laughs) Well, in a certain regard, happy anniversary then, because we just finished Easter. I like the way you guys call it a 2.0. And I often tell the marriages I work with in recovery, it's not about returning to something, it's about brand new. And so you guys are living testimony to that. So praise the Lord for that. One particular question I want to throw out here to get us moving in a little bit of different direction, since so many of our listeners have not been married, are pursuing marriage, is if you can talk a little bit about the gender differences in masculine and feminine spirit into the marriage relationship, and then how it impacted you guys differently through the crisis and recovery. Mm-hmm. I know you could talk about that now for the next half hour, so <laughs> right. sorry I gave you such a broad <laughs> right. question, but yeah. whatever comes to heart and mind. One thought is that I was raised in a home where it's a man's world. Your wife is to be your, really, your helpmate, your servant. She's to help you make life happen. And I married a very strong woman. And I married a woman that God had different plans for her. Jill's led a very vibrant ministry. She has authored 16 books 16 now. Books and <laughs> wow. Part of my midlife crisis was. Even my wife isn't functioning the way that I was raised. And and I was very jealous of her and her strength. So part of what we've had to learn is to accept our personalities and that those are different. They're different between men. They're different between women. And to accept those and to really celebrate each other rather than to be divisive or accusatory. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. I would say for me, probably looking back, one of the things that I have come to understand is I am a strong woman. I have a strong leadership gift, but I had to look at how I was misusing my strength in our marriage. And so I was often using it to control I was using it to get my way. And it was really interesting. Every time when we were separated that I would interact with him, I would, at the end of the conversation, say, Mark, I'd like to ask you to leave the relationship that you're in and return to your God and your family. And he would say, I can't do that. Yeah, not happening. And a week later, we'd have another conversation about something and I'd ask him the exact same question. He'd say, can't do that. And that happened at least seven times. And eighth time, he said, what would that look like? And I thought, wait a minute. I really was expecting the same old answer, but what would it look like? And the flesh side of me wanted to raise up and say, do you want me to really tell you what that would look like? But I didn't because one thing (laughs) God was really teaching me to do was he was teaching me to measure my words and not speak really without his guidance. And so there was silence for the longest period of time. And then I said, Mark, I don't know exactly what that would look like, but I absolutely believe that you and God could figure that out. And he that later was told me. so empowering because honestly, for our whole marriage, Jill had told me what, she wanted me to do. And 
Mm-hmm. She had just, she had parented me or managed mm-hmm. me, as I say, for the first time she left it up to God and I, and it was just, it was very empowering. Yeah. He said it was probably the, mm-hmm. the most empowering thing I'd ever said to him. Yeah. Because I, mm-hmm. it said I believed in him. Right. Mm-hmm. So that really was huge for me to begin to realize I don't have to dampen down my strength. I have to learn to use it in God honoring ways in the relationships that mean the most to me. That's going to really resonate with our audience because many of them have found our work through being single longer than they had hoped to be or anticipated being. That was my story as well. And so sometimes when you're still single in your 30s and 40s, people might say, now you're too independent. Or maybe you intimidate the men because you're so strong. And the women go, what the heck was I supposed to be? I got to take care of myself. No one's got my back. I have to be strong and independent. These messages that if you weren't as strong and independent, then you'd meet a man. And then they think, I don't want a man if he's intimidated by my strength. So <laughs> it's, it can, right? It, there's a lot it's to so it. so true. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what Jill and I, I chose to be passive. I wanted to blame it mm. on Jill and her strength. Yes. But I chose to go silent. If a man doesn't know what to do, he'll do nothing. If a woman doesn't mm-hmm. know what to do, she'll do anything, even if it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she's just trying to get something going. So I think for me, I had to learn to find my voice and to not be intimidated by Jill. So with the recovery couples I work with, we often talk about even if the manifestation of the foundation breakdown is the male. So in your case, Mark mm-hmm. has the affair, et cetera. We first of all know that there's way more than that. We talked about on your podcast, the fire and the smoke, right? The smoke was there. Mark's affair led to the smoke, but we know there's firewood issues. We know there's kindling. We know there's mm-hmm. all these other issues involved. But when we get into the nitty gritty, which I want to move to how you guys got into these new formations, that the power in equity and the balance of that has got to be discussed and renegotiated. Mm-hmm. And so many wives come in so frustrated and hurt, and I totally understand. And they're really wanting to ratchet up the control. And I have to tell them to do the opposite. Yep. You're going to have to yield more. And it's so scary and it's so vulnerable. It's not always wives, by the way. It's just a little more often than not wives. Mm-hmm. And I hear that you guys had to both yield fully to the Savior, and it looked differently. It did. But so many times... I tell the wife that the husband can't lead if you don't let him. Yep. And, and, and sometimes that's painful to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it is because they're going to maybe make decisions that you don't agree with. And you have and honestly that comes down to do I believe in that God is who he says he is? Do I believe mm-hmm. that God is bigger than any mistake that my husband might make? Ephesians 5, 17 through 21, before we get to 22 through 26, mm-hmm. right? It's that mutual submission to the Spirit first before we talk about any kind of independent submission. And you guys learned that the hard way, and it looks different for every couple. But may I just say again, my thanks to you guys and my admiration to you for really being willing to go through 30 years of fire and start a new foundation. That's so cool and so inspirational. So within that context, then, as you're moving into each other, what were some of the most significant things you found to inspire our listeners on this connection? So much of the healing process, you feel like what needs to happen is 
you need relationship healing, you need couple healing. But honestly, so much of what happens is you need personal healing. Mm -hmm. And so the sad thing is we had sought counseling off and on over the years, many times. Mm -hmm. Mark had sought personal counseling because he was raised in an abusive home. Mm -hmm. And so there was Mm -hmm. a lot of junk in the trunk, a lot of woundedness. But as I shared with you, when you were on my podcast, Elliot, I didn't cause Mark's affair, but I contributed to the dysfunction in our marriage. And I had to be Mm -hmm. willing to look at that. And I had to be willing to look at and understand it. But in all of the years of marriage counseling, we'd done off and on. Nobody had ever talked to us about attachment, ever. And fascinating. It's sad. Yeah, it's what it is. Yeah, it is because it ended. I apologize on behalf of our profession. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, it ended up being really the biggest game changer for us. Mm-hmm. Understanding how the attachment, and not only in our marriage, but in all relationships. This is Mm -hmm. personal work we all need to understand. We were ultimately introduced to the work of Mylon and Kay Yurkovich of the book, How We Love. And we discovered I was an avoider. Mark was a mix of a vacillator, a pleaser, and a victim. And that's a tough combo there, yeah. Mark. <laughs> I was a mess. That's more than a combo meal at McDonald's right there. That's a lot. It was bad. It was, it was exciting. Though. It was exciting. Yeah, that's a good way to frame it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you're all about huh? bring excitement to the life. Yeah. <laughs> I brought it. I'm glad we can laugh about it, but that's profoundly painful to recognize, mm. wasn't it, brother? Oh. To know, holy cow, I got this stuff going on. Yeah. It was like, where do you start? Mm-hmm. I was just so thankful to be in a place of humility and surrender. To And the picture for me was a little Marky Savage holding the hand of Daddy God. Okay, Dad, what do we do now? And I'm just holding his hand, kind of toddling along and just saying, what do we do? What do we work on now? And that brought me peace. One of the things that was really permeating my walk and my thinking was all the lies that I had been raised Mm. in and the lies that came with belief from the messages of anxious attachment. And I didn't believe I was good enough. I was lovable. I had a whole list of things that dogged me my whole life. So to resolve those was huge. I think the other piece that was so huge for you is you said to me one day, I'm 50 years old and for the first time in 50 years, I am wiping the face of my father's off. A birth father and a stepfather. For Mm -hmm. the first time, I'm wiping the face of my father's off of the face of God. And because his birth father was really just absent. And so there was abandonment and rejection there. Then Mm -hmm. his stepfather was abusive. So there was anger and control there. Fear, all that. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that really, I remember I had never seen him even as a pastor in God's word, like hungry for it. Like he was the first year Mm -hmm. 
after he mm-hmm. he made that U-turn because he was like, I don't even know who God is. I have to figure mm-hmm. this out for myself based upon God's word and stop being informed by my past. Mm-hmm. Abba Father. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. So you guys are affirming this dual process mm-hmm. to get individual healing as you do marital healing. Yes which of course is comprehensive work on top of parenting healing. And just like you guys, we're adoptive parents as well. Mm-hmm. And we're foster parents and have done trauma work with kids. And so when you're doing all those things on top of each other, finding the margin, finding the space, finding the freedom mm-hmm. to heal and go forward is quite challenging. What kind of new systemics did you guys put in place for margin and worship and prayer and in the midst of a very busy family and ministry. The first thing that comes to my mind is we got to a place where we had to say, we're just going to go have fun together. Mm-hmm. Like we're off limits to discuss this. Yeah. Because it was permeating. And so you just feel so worn out by it. Mm-hmm. And so we would give ourselves permission to take a break and to go on a date and not discuss it not discuss how our kids were affected by it, but just to go play putt-putt golf and have a good time and not actually have any conversation about it, which feels like, and when we work with couples now, they'll say, but that feels so inauthentic because it's not Mm -hmm. reality. And it's, no, it's called emotionally healthy. You're doing the work if you weren't doing the work and you were just ignoring it, then that would not, that would be inauthentic. But what you're saying is, hey, we need to take a break from the work right. sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think mm-hmm. that was a huge, that was a huge piece for us. We also, we live out in the country a little bit. So we would sit on our front porch and have conversation and talk about each other's day. But we did set some boundaries that, let's talk about these other things, not just a fair recovery or rebuilding trust Mm -hmm. because just talking with each other helps. And you're, when you're talking in a healthy way, that is helping to rebuild trust too. And so we would go on walks. We would do a lot of different things that were important for helping us to be a healthy Mark and Jill as we were navigating this. But for me, it wasn't Jill first. It was God first. I had things out of priority. I would have said that God was first, but he got worked into the busy schedule. And for us, we made God the priority of the schedule and then trusted him to work it out. Get the foundation laid. Yeah. And he did work it out. It wasn't a fast mend, and it took each of the kids were different in how they responded and how they healed, but that is all good now, and I'm very thankful. Amen. Yeah. From listening to your story on your podcast, one of the things that struck me, and I heard you say a couple times, that your dynamic had gotten to the place where Jill was parenting Mark at times, and your communication style was coming from a parental tone, parental energy. And it reminded me of this theory called transactional analysis, which looks at all communication 
between spouses, between friends, between employee and employer can have either a parent, an adult, or a child-like tone, delivery, and then how it's received as well. And so when you talk about just having those conversations, going on dates, you're really strengthening your adult connection and getting that to be in place so that that tendency that had gotten into place because of like we talked about with Mark being somewhat passive at times and then Jill trying to take control and we take control because why? Because we're scared. Control Mm -hmm. is all about fear. If I don't run it, Mm -hmm. it's not going to get done or it's going to get done wrong or it's going to get done and (laughs) someone's going to get hurt, me, everyone in the family. So that control is understandable, but then it gets locked in that parent-child dynamic, which never works in marriage and can be so painful for all involved. And then feed into that vicious cycle that you talked about before is that because then Jill's taking the reins, then Mark's going to step back. And then she's gonna be like, well, see, if I don't do anything, he won't. And it's, mm-hmm. again, that parent-child dynamic really struck me when you guys shared about that in your program. Yeah. yeah. It was an important part of relearning the roles in our relationship. And Jill was very gracious to back down and soften, but was intentional about communicating what she wanted to see happen. And then I needed to show up and, and talk through it with her And we reached really a place of cooperation, which was so good for us. Honestly, it's so good for marriage because we all have different ideas and to bring those together and cooperate and become one and then face them together as one, that was a game changer for us. But that was a lot of personal growth for me because as an avoider, Mm -hmm. avoiders are very independent. And mm-hmm. so they've learned that you can't, it, it just all depends upon you. And so you can't depend on other people for comfort. You can't depend on other people for really anything because you just were raised with this independent, got to take care of it yourself, buck up mm-hmm. mindset. And so that really was, as I was personally healing and becoming more of a secure connector and recognizing, no, I actually need people. Like I have a need for comfort from my husband. In fact, we share a story a lot of times when we're teaching on courage in marriage. That's one of the God tools we talk about in our No More Perfect Marriages book is that we identify eight God tools that every marriage needs. But honestly, whether you're married or not, you need to be using your God tools. And one of them is courage. Mm-hmm. And there was a time in our healing process where I had gotten a text from a friend and it just broke my heart. And I started to do what Jill 1.0 would have done, which is mm-hmm. gone up to her bedroom to cry so nobody would see me. Like mm-hmm. that's how I'd operated for 30 years in our marriage at mm-hmm. this point in time. But this is literally about a one month after Mark is back home again. And we're both working on becoming different people. And I'm working to, I now call myself, I'm recovering avoider. And, (laughs) and that's because I operate much more as a secure connector now than ever before. But I started up the stairs and then I caught myself and I went, Oh, this is old stuff. No, Mm -hmm. this is 1.0 stuff. It's gotta be different. And so I turned around 
Mark was sitting in the family room. I walked back down the stairs, walked into the family room where he was, held out my phone so he could see the bad news text that I had received, crawled in his lap and bawled my eyes out. And that was the first time in 30 years of marriage that had ever happened. I was slowly learning that I needed I needed him, I needed people, I needed to not operate so independently, I didn't need to operate in a buck up mindset. And then as I'm learning that as an individual, it's making a difference in the relationship that we have. Because I was unintentionally sending my husband a message that I did not need him. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean to send that message, but quite frankly, deep down, I didn't feel like I did. Because that mm-hmm. avoider in me didn't need anybody. And I believed a lie that I wasn't needed. And mm-hmm. so that partnered with what was being conveyed by her. And that it just, I became convinced of her message, my lie, that I wasn't needed. And here's the thing I didn't, I wasn't raised in a dysfunctional home. I say this to those out there going, I don't have any junk in the trunk. I like to say we can be the best parents out there and still give our kids a reason to sit across from Dr. Phil someday. Mm. (laughs) My mom and dad were wonderful, loving parents, encouraging. They affirmed everything that my sisters and I did. The sky was the limit in what was possible. I was raised in a faith-based environment, but we just didn't do emotion. Mm -hmm. And so even if you have been raised in a a relatively healthy home and a healthy family, there are maybe parts of your story that you need to look at. Mark and I call that's a home internship. So it's where you interned in conflict resolution. It's where you interned in communication. It's where you interned in emotional intelligence. And sometimes we need to look at that and go, hey, I had a pretty good internship on that. And sometimes we look at it and go, I think I need to do a new internship in this area. And mm-hmm. for me, a new internship in emotional intelligence was an important part of the journey. A new internship in conflict resolution because we didn't have conflict. We just swept it under the rug (laughs) and that wasn't healthy. So even though I came out of a relatively healthy home and a healthy family, I still had junk in the trunk, not as much as Mark did, but I still had plenty, but it becomes also easy to go, oh, you're obviously, in fact, for a while in our marriage, I was like, you're obviously the bigger problem. I've got five suitcases. You have five semi trucks mm-hmm. of suitcases. And he would say that, but then that caused me to become judgmental. And mm-hmm. so it wasn't until I really was like, no, I need to look at my five suitcases that I began to find the healing I needed that would make a difference in our marriage. A little different wrinkle here for a question. And this is more again to some of our listeners looking for that partner, but coming out of betrayal and hurt, whether it's family of origin or lots of the consultations I receive through our podcast are ladies that have been hurt over and over again. 
and we're trying to reframe and renew vision and purpose. And so in particular, I want to start with you, Jill, the fears of your avoiding came true <laughs> and it wasn't trustworthy and the emotions weren't going to be safe anymore. Mm -hmm. And yet you stayed in it. And as you prayed and as you dreamed and as you worked on self, how can you encourage some of our single listeners out there, men or women, but women in particular, how to hold on, how to still have hope, how to still dream and pursue your own health? When I was in the middle of my journey, I remembered the words of Jennifer Rothschild. She had spoken at one of our Hearts at Home conferences, and she had said, as it related to her blindness, so she's an author, speaker, musician who has been blind since the age of 17. And she said, in relation to her blindness, it is not well with my circumstances, but it is well with my soul. And that really became the prayer of my heart. And I would say for anyone who has gone through something really difficult, it is, it is not well with your circumstances. But even when it's not well with our circumstances, it can be well with our soul. And so I would say that I like it's a little crass. When life is crappy, then use that for fertilizer, for growth. And... And that's exactly what I would say is this is the most beautiful growth opportunity in your life. And I can't promise you what the outcome is going to be in the relationship because it does take two. I can't promise you what your next relationship might look like if one has ended. But I can promise you that if you will use it to... Uh, grow spiritually and deepen that relationship with the Lord, if you'll use it to grow emotionally, better understand your junk in the trunk, move beyond it, find the healing maybe you don't even know you need, then it can be the most beautiful opportunity for redemption. And it may be a different kind of redemption. It's like God redeeming broken places in your heart that you maybe weren't even aware we're a hundred percent there. Your story is so beautiful because throughout our conversation, you continue to reinforce the truth that you wouldn't have the deep, intimate, authentic marriage you have today without what you went through. And again, no one's, yeah, I hope I have an affair in my marriage. That'd be great. That'd be a great way to get close <laughs> to each other. No one yeah. wants that, but no, it's right. the redemption. I just want to underscore because it's again, for so many of our audience who have been through what you've been through and they or in the midst of it right now and they're going, there's no way that this valley is ever going to lead to anything but pain, just destruction of connection and demoralization. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, no, there really is. And you, Mark, I think you said it at the beginning or else it was in the podcast I listened to the other day, but you just said that this was the marriage you always dreamed of having and now you mm -hmm. have it. That's just beautiful what God did. Yeah, I do believe that. We say that often. We thank you guys so much for being a part of this podcast today mm -hmm. and sharing with us. It, it has inspired me again as someone who's in this work of helping mm. couples recover. So even though we've been interviewing you, you have given me encouragement and energy Good. And, uh, and power in the Lord to continue trying to do the work I do and that Karen and I do together. 
I want to say a closing prayer. Karen, do you have any thoughts you want to say quick before I go to that? I want to make sure I didn't cut you no, off. No, I just wanted to underscore the power of hope because in the midst mm-hmm. of that valley, you both had to hang on to hope. Mm-hmm. And I'm a psych research nerd. So there's actually what I love about God is that the science always just confirms what God has ordained because he yes. created the science. But I, it's so strange that there's this disconnect in some realms. People think that it's either you have faith or you have science. And I'm like, yeah, no, I have faith in the science because God created the science. So yeah, yeah. I know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a couple years ago, I looked into the research on hope because I know for women in our audience who you know, they're 45 now and it's been heartache after heartache. How do you believe that there is a deep, intimate, beautiful marriage still possible for you, even though you feel like your heart just can't even hope again? It's going to hurt too much mm-hmm. to hope. And I'm sure mm-hmm. you felt that in your valley that mm-hmm. I don't know if I could even hope that we can move through this and toward healing because it hurts to hope. So mm-hmm. just thank you again for sharing that because hope is critical. Yeah. And guys, before I pray over you, can you share... One time for our listeners, where best to find you and what you would recommend for your services, for the podcast. Just give us a quick little run through all that one more time. Yeah, yeah. It's the No More Perfect podcast, and you can find that anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And then our website is markandjill.org. And there you can find all about our marriage ministry, the resources. We have all kinds of online courses. We do marriage coaching. We offer a marriage intensive in our home for couples that are in crisis or want to get from where they are to where they want to be. And so all of that is available at markandjill.org. Great. Amen. Let me pray. Okay. Heavenly Father, thank you for this divinely appointed and anointed couple. And Lord, the purpose they found through their own pain is uh, profound, and uh, they surrender it and put it at your feet, and we thank you, Lord, for their surrender to you first, to each other second, and then even to the healing and the recovery and the rest for themselves as a couple, for their entire family, uh, for the beauty, Lord, of this process uh, that we fear no evil, Lord, even when we are in the valley and the shadow of death. And uh, Lord, there is faith in you and there's faith in each other that comes in the victory of your son fresh off the celebration of easter lord we thank you again for being the risen christ and to be the one lord that conquered death not over only for eternity lord but for every day even the death of our sin of avoidance or anxiety of sins lord of control or of fear and passivity so thank you for the model of this couple that is choosing to cling to you to cling to your word and cling to each other and blessing so many people. And we pray, Lord, that our audience today, those who are listening, have been profoundly encouraged, inspired, challenged, convicted, Mm -hmm. and that you would bring them hope Mm -hmm. and peace that passes understanding. We thank you, Lord, in advance for the work you're going to do through this podcast and through the ministries. And thank you, Lord, for our new friends. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you, as always, for joining us today. It means so much to us that you are part of the Love & Life family. If you haven't had a chance, please head over to loveandlifemedia.com and grab your copy of Empowered Dating Playbook. Elliot, where is the Empowered (laughs) Marriage Playbook is my Um, question. It's in the cloud. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh, that's convenient. Yeah, I don't even know what that means, but it's, it's in the cloud. It's no, coming. It needs to be done. Thank you for the yeah. accountability. It needs to be done. I've had several listeners reach out to me and ask for it. 
I need right. to get it done. So I apologize well, for not having it done, but it'll be coming soon. The thing is you have the resources. We just need to pull it together in a yeah. nice little PDF that people can download. But it's coming, everyone. Stick with us. Hang tight. But again, thank you for being a part of our community. It means so much. We're here to help us all align our mind, body, and spirit. For empowered relationships. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.